This is Channel 253. In this episode of What Say You? If you can't believe those two simple principles, you are not better than somebody else because of the color of your skin, and nobody else is less than you because of that, and that everyone should be treated equally. If you don't believe that, then God bless you. God bless your God bless your dark soul. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. What say you? Real sisters. Real talk. What say you? Down-to-earth conversations between sisters about life, work, family, and the pursuit of an anti-racist community. Hi, I'm Audrey. And I'm Melanie. What say you? Hey, sister. Hey, how you doing, girl? Girl, I am doing well. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that we're on the mic. I am too. You know, it's always uh, it's always nice to be able to get together and talk about what's happening. I mean, we do it anyway, even when we're not doing the podcast, but it's always nice to be able to get together and, and share thoughts with others. You know, I, I look at, at anybody who is listening to this. I look at them as, you know, family from another mother and daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey. And I know, I know that we make a difference because we're starting to hear from, hear from folks and, and they tell us how much they really appreciate what we say. And also, you know, what's so funny, I don't know about you, but every time I hear back from a listener, they say to me, I can't tell you and Audrey apart. You sound just alike. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I hear the exact same thing. And it isn't until, you know, when we're talking like we are now, I mean, how do we sound alike? But when I do listen back every blue moon, I think, who is that? Is that me? (laughs) Who said that? that? I know. I know. Because listeners, you got to know the behind the scenes um, production part. Audrey and I have really intention that we try very hard not to script stuff, right? We just want to we just want to talk to you. So what you hear from us mostly all the time is straight up raw what's coming out of our mouth right now. And when I'm listening back, right, and to to when Eric tells us, oh, okay, the episode is live, and then we listen to it, and then I'm saying, did I say that? Oh, right. That sounds like Audrey. <laughs> well, and when, when you're in the of it, when you're doing it, then it does sound, uh, I forget, I forgot I said so. Oh, I did say, yeah. oh, that's right, I said it. I know. On the flip side of that, sometimes I can predict what I'm going to say. My little nuances, my yep. little nuances are saying, well, yep. let me tell you something. Or, okay. Yeah. You know, like that. First so, of it, all, you know, when we both for one of all. But yeah, and I, I'm just saying all that to say that, um, Listeners, we really appreciate you and the feedback that you give us. And so um, just thank you so much and much love to Channel 253 because it is such a joy being here and all of that. So, Doug, we just got to love you. Love you, too. I was going to say, and Doug, our, our staple, our back 
phone, everything. It's always, I mean, sister, you know, I love seeing you too. Uh-huh. Doug is the highlight of, of the tape. Yeah, it is always good to see yeah, Doug yeah. and to love on mm-hmm. Doug. And that's actually yes. what we want to talk about, sister. Uh, <laughs> that's actually what we want to talk about, listeners, is we want to talk about love today. Right. We, we just want to talk about love because we have that absolute horrible insurrection at the nation's capital. The, I mean, egregious breach, mm-hmm. egregious attack on American democracy that I'm still reeling from, I, you know, to be honest. I know it's been a few weeks, but I'm still reeling. And so I said to Audrey when we were just trying to decide on what to talk about, I was like, girl, I want that same amount. I want an insurrection of love. I want an insurrection. And then we looked, you know, then we weren't sure about insurrection. And insurrection is violent. So (laughs) we're not trying. We're not going there. No, we're not going there. So we want a resurrection of love, friends. And so just talking about ways of being loving and how to move forward and how to heal, how to reconcile. Yes, it's. You feel the same? I feel exact uh, exactly the same, and I'm so glad you caught that insurrection <laughs> because that would be that would be fire on fire, wrong and wrong, and that is not our message. Uh, the the root of who we are, and you can see this and hear this. You can hear this throughout everything that we do and say. It's always been about love. So when we were talking about what to talk about, especially in these this time of we've never been before after this insurrection, we were talking about well, what do we do? Where you know what should people do? What's the call to action? And at the end of the day, the call of action is back to our roots. We're gonna we are going we are going to resurrect love love is still it it hasn't changed now the intensity of that love has to rise up to the level of canceling out that resurrection hate Mm, girl you better preach yes Uh yes but i also want to add in there and some of the things that uh that we say fall in the category of tough love Okay, so I, we, we need to put that out there because love is not always comfortable. You know, you got to have them family members that are uh, keeping it real with you, you know, and hopefully if you understand that we only come in love and you receive our um, eavesdropping in on our conversations between sisters, if you receive what we say as love, then, you know, let's, let's mobilize, let's Let's uh, let's get on with it, because that's the only thing that we can do to move forward. If you are stuck and you trying to figure out, like, where where is my place in the struggle? Well, we just need to talk about how you love your way through. That's 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 what I say. For real. For real. And when you said tough love, let me tell you, um, with tough love comes tough conversations. Mm. And oftentimes, and you you said this all along, white people, you got this, you got the aunties, uncles, cousins, uh, 
Auntie Sue Nell. I think that's what you call it one time now. Anyway, in all of our families, but right now, in all of our families, we have those family members around us. We have those friends around us. We are we have those co-workers around us that we love dearly. We love them. We love them. Family's a different breed because you blood and and you know you you you're forced with them sometimes. But I think that one of the reasons that we found ourselves in this insurrection is because we haven't always individually had those conversations with those closest to us or even with those that may not be close. You know, you want to... You don't want to get into it with somebody on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. You don't want to get into it with them. But when you see something going south, something, somebody saying things and doing things that you know is not good for humanity or part of the anti-racism fight, you got to say something. Uh-huh. But it's yeah, you don't want to damage the relationships. So let me let me just share the the types of scenarios that um, have been coming my way from my white friends. You know that that um, talk to me and ask for help and you know trying to navigate through. This is what's happening in my family. Okay, so so there's a section of of friends that that have those relatives, right? Everybody got they. they Many of them got them like very, very close, second removed, third removed, but they some way in the family. And um, and so how do they, and so the one question is, okay, I've already decided I just ain't talking to them, okay? They, yeah. I'm gonna ignore them. They are, you know, I'm not giving them any energy. They pretty much cut them off. And so, and then they stand firm, you know, and I'm living in my truth. I just say, they ain't part of my family. I've denounced them. Mm-hmm. All right. So then, but then there's another part that, especially when it's your sister or your brother or your mother, you know, mm. and that, that like really, really close. And, and you grew up in this household and, and you fled the scene as soon as you could and moved to the city or did what you did, but you still, you know, that's still your family. And so yeah. they're coming at it with, you know, trying to, with a mindset of trying to change people. And that, that is only, you know, we'll talk about this later, but they're coming in with my position is right and your position isn't. And it's not even um, an opportunity to really, you know, find a way to even get in the conversation. It's already combated from the very beginning. And then it ends up horrible. People go to their corners and now they mad. You know what I mean? Yes. So there's no real way to to break that yoke. And um, the thing that folks have to decide is that do, is this relationship important to you? Important enough for you to keep trying, for you to, um, you know, what is to develop a common outcome or, or something, but to, to save the relationship beyond the politics, you know, what is it that you can do? So, well, and I'll say that any conversation where there is 
there are different perspectives can potentially turn into a standoff or worse yet, devolve into an argument with no resolution. Because when you feel, when any of us as individuals feel like our perspective is the right one, we will come from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Perspective is defending your perspective. Yep. And that's why I don't, and I've said this before, I don't talk about religion and I don't talk about politics with just anybody. Mm-hmm. Those specifically, those two topics come automatically come with emotions tied to them. Those two topics automatically come with each person feeling that their perspective is right. And those two topics typically devolve into an argument and standoff. So if we really want to, in this changing time, if we want to perpetuate the change, we have to figure out the skills to talk about it and keep the relationships intact. So I, <clears throat> I just want to be transparent with the, uh, with the listeners because this topic came to us in real world, real life experience this week in that, um, you know, we're not going to tell all our business, but we, you know, really had a, a family situation where we blew up. And I'm just going to say that I was the one that didn't handle it well, or at least from the perspective of my emotions, you know, they just, they just mm-hmm. came out, you know, my, the, the way that I was um, speaking and I don't think that daddy will mind because I was fussing at daddy. And, um, and so I, I just went all the way in, you know, and because uh, I disagreed with something that how he handled the situation and I was calling to let him know how I thought about it. And I just went all the way in. And then, well, what happens then? Homeboy going to come back in with me. So now we've yep. hollering at each other. And then I've got to, you know, and then when I hung up, I, I knew that I was wrong because it's like, how dare you be hollering at your daddy? At your daddy, girl. You know, what makes it, I don't care how old you are, 63 years old, you do not get to holler at your daddy. So I had to call Audrey, you know how you phone a friend? <laughs> I, had to, I had to call Audrey. And uh, yeah, I'm telling on myself, I had to call Audrey and, uh, you know, and vent. And then this is when we got into um, this whole thing about crucial conversations. And you were really enlightening me, sister. And I, and, and we, then I just said, oh, my God, we need to raise this up right yeah. now because people need skills. And if I fast forward, I did go back and implement the strategies that Audrey had asked me to do. I actually ordered the book on Amazon. And, uh, and then I called my daddy and apologized 
So, uh, and then we moved on and, and we're loving and we moved on and he apologized too, but it took, it took some work. And so let's kind of break that down sister, because it, it got real personal for, for me this week. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, as, uh, when you called me, I was already aware of the situation and, and quite frankly, I agreed, um, I agreed. I, I was I was not in agreement um, with Daddy's position, and by the time you had called, I had already had a conversation with him about it. The difference was that I had had the luxury, uh, the privilege of being introduced to these crucial conversation principles, and that book. Uh, way prior uh, with my job. Mm -hmm. So I used them. Mm -hmm. I used what I learned. I used the, the, the crucial conversations model. I used what I learned out of the book and it worked because mm -hmm. it, it's truth. And it's and there are human behaviors that we have within us already. Each of us have them. With that said, having the knowledge of what to do before you get into a crucial conversation. That's, right. that's the biggest deal. And that was the biggest difference between right. how I handled it and how I handled it and the outcomes. Yeah, I was working for my emotion. I was really yes. and I'm just gonna. I'm just going to tell him. I mean, you know, it was just, uh, he didn't have a chance with me going in. I mean, when I was dialing the number, he didn't have a chance. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you're right. And, and having the knowledge the second time uh, after you gave it to me was uh, everything in the world. So I'm hoping, can you, can we yeah. take some time and, and share what those principles are? I will. And I'm going to break it down using our real life scenario. <laughs> point out, if you don't mind, point out um, what happened, what didn't happen, and when it happens, how it can turn out. A different okay. way. Yeah, let's go. I don't mind being it because I'm just being up front. I was okay. I was wrong for that. You hear me? Yeah, <laughs> I was well, wrong for that. You were doing what you do and what uh, what most people do. If you don't know, you do what you do. If you don't know, you don't know. So let's start with just in general. There is when you're going into and a crucial conversation is when there are high emotions. Emotions are high. I think that we can check that off. There is a difference of, of perspective, a difference of opinion. I think we can check that off, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's work to do before, during, and after. Now, sometimes you may know you're going to have to have a crucial conversation. Let's use work as an example. If you're working with someone or if you have direct reports and you know there are situations with them, you know beforehand, so you can do this pre-work. And that so it's really about working on you first, if you have that opportunity. And that would be getting unstuck. Unstuck means, hey, 
Let me get rid of all of this stuff, whatever I preconceived notions I have about this person or what I think is going to happen. I'm not going to fast forward to all that. I'm just going to get unstuck because at the end of the day, I want this to come out well. When you start the conversation, you're going to start it with heart. With heart? Heart. H-E-R-T. That thing that beats within us. All of us. We all have a heart. So you're going to start with heart. You're not going to start with that preconceived notion. You're not, you're not going to start with, I'm going to be right. You are going to start with your heart. And what does that mean exactly? That means that you come with positive intent. Okay. You come, that's the only thing you're focused on is positive intent. You are coming from your heart, ready, willing, and able to listen and and just put everything else aside. You're going to listen to your heart. You're going to feel with your heart, kindness and compassion. Well, girl, I, that's where I messed up. I didn't start like that. Well, I didn't, didn't start like that. I was dialing his number. I was ready to go. You hear me? So, um, I, like, blow the whistle. Ready, <laughs> <laughs> set, go. I was fired. Uh, let him go to answer that phone. Ooh. I was from, from hurry up and answer this phone. I can't wait to talk to you. So, okay, I could have handled and, that from... <laughs> And he barely had time to say hello. He did, did you, not have time to say, <laughs> Daddy, um, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so again, this is under just working on you first. If you if you have time to do it, the last thing is master your stories. Now let me tell you what that means. Master my stories. My stories are, you got story. You don't. We've all, we all tell ourselves a story about the other person. They just unreasonable. Oh, they don't listen. Oh, they don't, you know. I said, daddy, you so mean. You mean. <laughs> if they don't hear, they mean. If they don't listen, they don't never listen to me. So I'm not going to listen to them. We all have a story when we are entering into these conversations, we got a story in our head made up already. We got a script. I had already decided. Nothing has ever happened. That person has not even had the opportunity to say a word, but we have a story about them built in our head. So mastering your story means, ah, I'm not going to go in with that story. And that relates back to the heart, starting with heart. Nope. My story is that that person is reasonable and rational. And that's that. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Nothing else. And I'm starting with my heart. Nothing else. And I'm get, I've already got unstuck. Unstuck in the sense of I, I don't have anything else in my head about what's going to happen. So it, even if you know that Auntie Sunel is racist AF and you figure out that you you want to still talk to her, she still matters. How do you how do you get that story out your head? You got to get it out your head. 
you got to start from scratch. You got to say, if I'm starting with heart, I love Auntie Sunil. I love her with everything that I am. And all I want to come out of this conversation is continue to love Auntie Sunil and her to love me. I'm going to focus on that love. If you are mastering your story, you know what? Auntie Sunil, in my opinion, it feels like she is, everything she's shown me, she is racist AF. But you know what? Today, Auntie Sunil is someone that I love. I want to have this conversation with Auntie Sunil. And every time, Auntie, even if Auntie Sunil says something to me that's racist AF, I am not going to bite. Uh-huh. I'm going to bring that story about my story about Auntie Sunil into this conversation. Okay. Okay. And that's where I think not- a lot of folks, <clears throat> a lot of folks fall short is um, we don't master the story. I know. I mean, I'm just claiming it. I fell short and having other conversations, um, not mastering the story. I've got the emotions and uh, that's all I care about. You hurt me, you angered me. It's it's time for battle and uh, I'm going in. Okay. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. Now that's, that's the first part of it. Now, during the conversation, during the conversation, this is, this is huge, huge, huge. When you start off the conversation, you're going to state your path. Stating your path means what you want, what you want to do. What is this conversation going to be about since you're introducing Where we're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're going with this conversation. What is your intent? That's Uh stating your path, right? So stating in, in this scenario that we're using, stating your path would be Hey, Dad, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, the such and such a situation. I wanted to, do you have time to talk about that? Because I, I, I think that we need to kind of unpack what happened. And I want to make sure you're okay and everything is okay. That's stating your path. Mm-hmm. Sounds like, and, like, um, because I did order the book and I was looking through it and they said um, you want to state a persuasive path, not an abrasive path. And now, I, I just, my path was abrasive from the mint, like we said. <laughs> I was going in, so that's another whistleblow foul. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to put, when you state your path, it has to be such that, and again, it's got to come from your heart from your heart at the end of the day it's not about it can't be about i'm gonna be yell, I, yeah i want to talk to you about such and such such because i just think that was jacked up can't be that because you done already now it's defense excuse me what you know from the other person what do you expect when there is an attack there will be defense so you have to lay state your path what do you really want to come out of this what you want to come out of this is have a discussion and make sure everybody's whole. That's stating your path. Now, here's the big thing. When someone is feeling defensive 
and you're in that conversation and you don't even notice it, you don't care, you just keep going in, that means that you're not using one of these other principles. And that's called learn to look. Mm. Learn to look. And what you're looking for is safety. Another principle is making it safe. You have to make it safe for that other person to be able to share their path. And that's a continuous thing throughout this conversation. You want to learn to look, learn to look for safety breaches. Did you hear it? So, you know, is it silence? Where the other person, you just, you're the only one talking, da 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 and the other person isn't saying anything, because people do one of two things when they are, when their safety is breached. They're going to go to silence, or they're going to go to violence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And violence don't mean that they're going to jump up and hit you, you know, this, you could be over the, you know, over the phone, right? That was me means they're going to go to verbal violence. Yeah, that's me and daddy. We was going at it, honey. Because you came at them like that. I know. That's I'm owning everything, but in the moment. I know. In the so moment, I'm a, co-signing. I'm saying amen to what you said because that's what yep. happened. Because it's about making it safe and learning to look and making it safe. They go hand in hand. you got to be aware and alert for any safety violations. Because at, at, at the end of the day, you have got to make it safe for that other person to speak their path, okay? Because what's happening, what's happening, just imagine a big old, imagine a circle like a, um, like a bullseye. Imagine a bullseye. And then on either side of that bullseye, on the left side of that bullseye, there is an arrow pointing inwards, and that's you. So the bullseye is called the pool of shared meaning. Because before you can get anywhere in a crucial conversation, you have got to, the, the two or however many people have got to agree on something, have something in common. So contribute to that pool of shared meaning. So when you're stating your path, hey, I just want to talk about, you know, what happened and, you know, have some discussion and, and uh, you know, make sure we're all, everybody's okay. And then they're talking about their path because you're going to invite him to explore his path. You want to get, find some pool of shared meaning where you guys can agree upon. Yeah. Now, let me tell you how I did that with my knowledge. I stated my path, daddy, I'm going to talk to you about what happened. You know, what's going on? How you feeling? Want to make sure you're feeling all right. What you thinking? Well, I mean, I thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, I feel kind of unsettled about it. We pull a shared meaning. I said, oh yeah, me too. Okay, so we got that in common now. Got that in common. We both feel unsettled about it. And the whole conversation, I'm listening to him. He said, well, i really like for you to, uh, I don't know what you heard, but I, I want you to hear, you know, what, what I saw happen. I said, okay. I'm making it safe. I made it safe. 
for him to share his path, his path, to share his story, right? And I didn't say a word. I said, mm-hmm. I acknowledged I was actively listening, but we had already established that we both wanted to make it okay. So we good. And I just kept listening. Now, when he was done, I said, actually, I was still quiet to the point where he said, you still there? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, I heard everything that you said because I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to be thinking anything different. You don't want to be interrupted like me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and then I said, um, he goes, no, 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 it's okay. He goes, what do you think? I said, okay. I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, we got different perspectives. Um, You want to hear my perspective now or you want to take a break or talk about it later? He said, no, 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 I want to hear it now. Okay. We both on the same page. Both on the same page. And then, um, you know, I told my perspective and then all throughout, you know, there came some silence and then, but there never came violence ever because I was always making it safe for him to share. And that, if you got to pick one principle, one out of crucial conversations to adapt right away, for anybody is make it safe, make it safe for the other person and then contribute to that pool of shared meaning. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel better because that's, I took your advice and daddy came over yesterday and we sat down and you know, sat in a rocking chair and I gave him a smoothie. You know how he likes uh <laughs> yeah, he likes healthy stuff. So I made him a smoothie and then we sat in the rocking chair and then we started down that path. And so I I know that it works, listeners. And this is we've got to get some kind of framework or structure for us to heal. You know, there's so much going on. And we're in such a fragile state as a nation after that big, biggest breach that we had of public trust. I keep saying egregious attack on democracy, but it's also a breach of trust. And um, when you breach trust, you all know in, in any relationship when trust is gone, then it makes the repair of the relationship in question and super hard to get back. So. When we come back uh, from break, let's just unpack this a little bit more and kind of put it in context of uh, how we go forward because we had yes. to have a crucial conversation with Jaylene too. <laughs> oh dear, yes. <laughs> yes, when you're talking to them Generation Zs, you know, that was, uh, I'm, glad I had, I'm glad I had those strategies. <laughs> we'll be back in just a moment, listeners. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. It's no secret that Tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now. And whenever I have a question about what's happening, I take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie, Marguerite Martin. 
I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. After 16 years helping Tacomans buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime. The agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite, for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. Okay, sister, when we just left for break, you reminded me of a crucial conversation we had with Jaylene, and I had to ask you which one. Yeah, I know. Which one? You know, she's 14 years old, your granddaughter, my great niece, and at this age, there are, oh, the crucial conversation skills. Oh, my goodness, they really come into play. Which uh, which scenario are you talking about? Well, I was thinking about, and yeah, you're right. There's there's many of them. And listeners, you probably got Gen Z's in your house. So you know good and well that this is a, a changing scenario every day. But this was the one about choosing her friends, right? And um, should, should she stick with this one person or not? Because at this point, they seem fake and, you know, but then she wanted to get back with them. And I, I called it crucial because I had my story already, um, you know, I already had the answer. And so I didn't really want to traumatize her, but I was ready to go in for that. You know, what the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so uh, it just so happened again that you introduced me to these tools. And so I was able to listen, you know, I lead with my heart, I, knowing good and well that uh, that Grana, you know, Grana has something to say, but I listened to her and, and mm-hmm. let her own it, right? And so, yeah, I did. And, and I know that she shared it with you too, but yes. I know that tactically... Using these strategies, she was able to come up with her own decision, which which is what we, which was a decision that we wanted her to get to, uh, but she figured it out on her own. Absolutely, and that is uh, when you. Well, first of all, let's talk about again establishing the pool of shared meaning. So, what do you two have in common now with this, with whatever the scenario is, with this scenario with Jaylene? I mean, I really had to get unstuck and start with my heart and master my story because I could have cared less, okay? <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, boom, I got the answer. That, yes. that person is fake. That person, you do this, 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 and this. Don't do yeah, this. I'm going to tell her how to do it. Already. One, two, three, the, four. The key to her getting to her own conclusion was using the principle of exploring others' paths. So inviting her 
to contribute to the pool of shared meaning. Right. What do you mean when you say she's fake? Well, how does that make you feel? Well, do you want to be around fake people? You know, that exploring her past, getting from her what, and then and some of the answers that she gave me, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want to be around fake people either. Or so now we're making that pool of shared meaning bigger. Uh-huh. Long story short, eventually she came up with, you're right. She came up with her own answer. She came up with her own answer. Her own answer. And so, yeah, that's what we, you know, we just got to practice and, you know, help listeners get comfortable with, with using these kind of strategies because this is right. This is what's happening in real time. This is what's happening in real time. And we're talking about um, a, a resurrection of love. These conversations are going to have to happen. Especially the ones that are contributing to the racist the continuation of racism and mindset. And uh, as we talked about on our earlier episode, caucasity, we're going to have to start amping up. And when I say we, I'm talking to the all people, uh, white people who've had their heads in the sand, uh, black people who or brown people or others who have been so so damaged um, and hurt that you check out, but there's still conversations that have to be had. And you can be damaged and hurt and mad and have crucial conversations with people that can really change and shift their hearts. Not everybody. But if there's somebody, regardless of where you fall on the race spectrum, if there are people, we're talking about resurrect the resurrection of love, if there are people in your life that you feel are contrib- contributing to negatively to the anti-racist movement, you can have a, those conversations with them and still have a relationship. You can, it doesn't have to turn to silence or violence. It doesn't have to turn to avoidance, just not having it. It doesn't have to. If you, if you learn about it and, and use these crucial conversation skills, and you've already got the first part, you got your heart, you got love for them. So you just got to, you know, follow the map and it'll work. And I want to, I want to actually zero in on the workplace for a minute, um, mainly because I'm also aware that a lot of these workplaces have all white people in them, except maybe one person of color. You know, mm-hmm. you got it's it's like you're you're the only black person in the office, or the only brown person in the office, or the only non-white person in the office. And what I've been learning more about is those folks are feeling extremely isolated, right? Because nobody's talking to them. People got their head in the sand right now. Nobody's checking on them. So like you're Mm -hmm. talking about folks feeling damaged or being damaged, your caucasity is that you don't have to think about anything 
you can just come to work and be okay and um, exist in, in your white world and expect that this fly in the milk is, mm-hmm. is just fine. Then they're not drowning. You know, I mean, the yeah. milk pretty soon you going to drown and nobody. And, and basically what you going to do, just flick it off the top of the milk or I mean, not off the top of what, what you going to do. Just let them see. Pour it out and get a new glass. Pour it out. Yes. Yes. And so I want to just raise up that <clears throat> there's black and brown people in these workplaces that are lonely that are, yes. you know, they think about, I saw on Facebook the other day, you know, what? who do I talk to at work? I want, I, I want to talk to somebody, but I, you know, I don't want to be the first, well, I always got to be the first one to go and to say, so I'm like encouraging, if you know, open a conversation, open a conversation, see, yes. see your coworkers. Don't let them be invisible any longer. And the crucial conversation skills that come into play there, master my stories. Oh, if I start a conversation with them, it's going to go left. I'm not ready for this emotionally because they're going to be mad and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. No, no, no. The story can be as simple. Your story can be as simple as I want to have a conversation because I see my coworker may be in pain or I see my coworker and I want to know how they feel. I just want to know how they feel. And it doesn't have, it can be as simple as that. I'm starting with my heart. I like my coworker with everything that I am. I like my coworker. I want them to be okay. And I'm not going to be afraid to talk to them. Why would I be afraid if I master my story? No. I want them to know that they matter. I want them to know that they're visible. I want them to know I see you. Okay, because part of this structural racism system that we are working to dismantle, or uh, oh, let me clarify, I ain't working to dismantle nothing. Part of the mm. system that we are building okay building new systems is is a is a system of you know everyone everyone matters and so the, in order for the wheel to turn and for it to work and we're all flowing in the same way you got to recognize that it takes all the pieces and so yes. there's just so many folks i know because just of the probability that they're working in hostile environments i mean there was, you know, look at the people that were at the at that insurrection. Think uh-huh. of it that way. They're somebody's co-workers. Yes. Okay, so. Somebody's mama. They somebody's daddy, uncle. I'm thinking, I'm still keeping it in the workplace. You know good and well that their black and brown co-workers have felt their vibe already. They, are, they already know their vibe. Yep, that's somebody's boss. Somebody's boss. And that's the thing that scared me so much that may or or saddened me was in hearing more and more about the insurrection that there were 
retired and active duty military people there. There were oh um, law enforcement officers there. Girl, they had the Seattle people. I know. I saw that. There was a, a, a look. Did you see the news conference? Um, it happened today. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah, um, the, the interims. The interim Seattle P, um, police chief had a conference today uh, in talking about those two and what they're doing about it and the investigation that's going on and um, it. But yeah, it is it, the people that were at that insurrection were they walk all through our lives yes, and we'll do. know all of them, um, but they walk all through our lives. Yes, and God dead, the dead ones walked through our lives as well. And they were loved by many as well. And that that's what makes it sad that they yeah. died. Um, at the end of the day, this polarism, this um this that level of anger and misplacement that has gone on for so long it is the culmination of a of non uh, it's a culmination of of, of of a disconnect intentionally and and some unintentionally we're talking to the unintentional people not the people that were at even at that even at that um insurrection there were some unintentional white people there what you mean they didn't go over there for that oh yeah 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 it yeah. is there were some white people there that didn't go there for that they was like what the hell is this i'm going home i'm going home yeah what the hell? this ain't what i signed up for and for those people those are the people that we're talking to what the hell is this? I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I came here for. Yeah. So now that you're home to those people that were at that insurrection and that's not what you signed up for and you were like, I'm out of here. For those people, you got to look in your heart and figure out why were you there? Yeah, why did you go anyway? Uh And then and then your work for those people, your work, your work to make it right is to talk to people who don't look like you, who weren't there, who don't share your point of view. And when you're mastering your story, take it out of your mind that you can't talk to them because you were there. Because you support Trump, that's not part of. Take that out of your story. Make your story about. I didn't want to be there for that, and I need to talk to somebody else who doesn't look like me, who doesn't think like me. I need to talk to somebody else so I can get a broader view of the world, this United States of America and who I could be. Yeah, that I mean, it really, really uh, sickens me that these people are people's, black and brown people's supervisors. 
you know, and, and, and that um, this structural racism supports that them being their supervisors. But, but what I do know is that, you know, on the ground in the work that's being done is that in this new system, as we build it, that this is not allowed, you know, because we're empowering people now to, people are empowered to use their voices and, um, and to rise up. And, and so if, if the supervisors don't want to hear it and the culture suppresses, um, people's voices rising up, even though HR says we have these policies and this, this way to complain and this way to go, that racism is thick and it shows up, you know, I'd be hearing stories about people's bonuses being compromised and, you know, white folks getting more than this and that. And I mean, all of that stuff still going on in, um, in corporate America. And so we've got to just understand when we're talking about strategies and skills and all of this stuff is that we're trying to teach a new way. We have to have a resurrection of love, that your story is rooted in love and that we're moving forward in love. If you don't love your neighbor, you know, it's got to be love thy neighbor. And if that can't sink in, then you're not on the anti-racism track. Because the anti-racism is rooted in love. And so yes. got, you've just got to know that and, and, and start asking yourself, well, like you said earlier, sister, acknowledge, acknowledge where you are. You know, acknowledge your path, acknowledge your role in all of this and acknowledge what your role is in the anti-racism, what you, what you doing, what your place is. How yes. You, but what, where are you in the struggle? Because we need everybody. That insurrection leveled the playing field. We know what we know. We can't go back from that. And can I say that um, with all of this, our in the construct of the crucial conversation model, we need to increase our pool of shared meaning. We need to, when we are talking with each other, when we are, the only way we're going to build an anti-racist society is to be able to state our paths within safety, feeling safe, and be able to explore the other person's path and build that pool of shared meaning. What do we have in common? And if you're going to be an anti-racist, the one thing, the one thing that we have to have in common is that we both agree that racism is bad, that looking at others and acting upon others based on their race in a negative way is wrong. We have to agree that everyone, everyone is equal, regardless of the color of their skin. You cannot be an anti-racist if you do not believe those two things. 
So I say to you, for those of you out there, if you can't believe those two simple principles, two simple ones, you are not better than somebody else because of the color of your skin and nobody else is less than you because of that. And that everyone should be treated equally. If you don't believe that, then God bless you. God bless your God bless your dark soul. I uh agree. All I got to say about that. Well, girl, that was deep. And then I'ma just put it in the uh black church tradition. This is what I'm gonna say. I okay. in our black church tradition, we need an altar call. Mm. All right. Yes. You know, it's time for an altar call because altar call is for repentance. Right. That's how you come. You come before the altar and you lay it all there. You ask for forgiveness. Right. And then yes. you leave it there. And then, of course, you will be forgiven. I mean, ask and it shall be forgiven. And so the, that means you have to repent. You have to say it out loud. What Audrey said, you have to say, I'm a racist, you know, or and and understand that it's not your fault that you um we're born into this system, but you were racist, you know, because of the conditions and the brainwashing. And I mean, it ain't something you could help. But if you've ever been complicit, if you've ever been silent, if you've ever seen these things go on and you're not saying something or, or activating, you were racist. You are. And so that may sound shocking I hope it's not polarizing. It may sound shocking, but we talked about it up front that this is tough love. And, and our ability to hear this, to hear it, to hear it, hear what we are saying. Okay, and then come to the altar. Come to the altar. Some of y'all um, might even be slayed down there. You've got a lot to leave, but it's never too late. It's never too late. And if, if the insurrection on January 6th woke you up, okay, in the black church tradition, you know how when, when you join church or you get slayed at the altar, you know, you fall out and, and you lay yeah. out stuff, like the ladies in their dresses and stuff, they'll cover you up. Yep. You know, you. you maintain your dignity. You know, you down at the altar. Love is down there too. But you got to come and you got to lay it all out there. And then they pick you up and they might take you to the back room so you can yep. put your wig. And <laughs> get your wig, get your hair together, girl. Get together. Get your clothes together. Yeah, we got out. you, though. Because you've emptied your cup. You know, you've emptied this well. You just kind of let it go, right? And, and it's okay. You can, that may even just be crying or succumbing to just the emotions that you have because it is so emotional right now. But in order for you to, to, to move forward in this anti-racist movement, you've got to be able to um, ask forgiveness. Absolutely. And last thing I'm going to say, and I, I, I loved listening to what you just said, Mel, it's so true. And I felt it, um, you know, when you put it on, come to the altar and at the end of the day, what hasn't changed is 
love. Love has always been there. That's it. Love has always been there. And when we talk about the uh, the resurrection of love, it really is a resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus died on the cross when he was born again. Mm-hmm. We're going to be, America is being born again. And I promise you, I am part of that and, and, and invite you, our listeners who's maybe you heard something today, invite you to be part of it. Just because you're a racist now don't mean you always have to be. You don't know what you know until you know. And you have to take the first step. And when you take that first step, we will have our arms out ready to welcome you. That's all I got to say. Drop the mic. Boom. Thank you for listening to What Say You. If you have conversation ideas or want to follow up on what you heard, please contact Melanie by email at melanie at missmelanie.com. M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E at M-I-S-S-M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E dot com. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. The What Say You podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, and We Art Tacoma. This is Channel 253.